Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, and it is another steak-free Saturday because uh, it's another win. Or sorry, here we go. In three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, and it is another steak-free Sunday because it was another Sunday uh, free of a Chiefs victory. Um, man, I don't know what to say. Look, they First got. Off, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you right now. They just got destroyed down in Tennessee. I, I can, I can still have my steak. It just won't be associated <laughs> with Chiefs. Right, it won't be a victory steak. <laughs> I'll still have a steak. They're not stopping me from having a steak. It just won't be related to them anymore. <laughs> well, we joked after I think the Cleveland game about you having a victory steak during the podcast and like clanging around your steak knife on the plate and stuff like that. And they have been few and far between since then. Uh, just two in the last six games. So. Yeah, I'm sure somebody listening to the podcast is going to associate that with me now and be like, ever since you had that steak, they've done bad against division leaders. Yeah, I mean, it probably is your fault. Um, yeah, I'm sure. That's the reason for <laughs> poor performance and lack of focus and penalties and all that stuff. That's They're they're looking at the Jacob's eye in the sky opposing teams, and they they have, you know, they, they get keys to the game plan from, from watching that. And then, you know, um, you know, they're able to self-scout as well. And, and then, you know. They just put it to the Chiefs on Sundays because I'm telling you, I'm not since Andy Reid's been in Kansas City. Um, I, I don't think anybody's put it on the Chiefs like they did. I know that they got beat 43, 14 by the Steelers six years ago, but to see an Andy Reid team flop around and score three points, uh, which is the fewest they've scored since 2009 when he was with Philadelphia and they got shut out in the regular season finale against the Cowboys, a game, by the way, where. Yeah, the NFC East was on the line, but they were also going to face each other the next week in the playoffs. So Andy probably didn't want to show a whole lot. Um, still, um, it was it was just weird to see. I mean, in past weeks when the offense has struggled a little bit, they only scored 20 against the Bills, you know, or when they struggled, you know, some other games. You could point to turnovers and say, well, that was the big issue. And I know they had two more today, but the offense didn't look like itself when they weren't turning the ball over by any stretch of the imagination. So what, what's going on, man? Um, I, uh, I have some concerns now that the, uh, they're going to have to reinvent themselves on offense. Like they're like what they're doing is not working. And like, even when the tackles are struggling, they're still trying to do five to seven step drops that Mahomes doesn't feel comfortable with. The yep. pocket and people would say, well, he's got to step up. He did step up that one time and they got sandwiched. <laughs> and then he took the, you know, the, the, the quad to the, to the head, you know? So, I mean, it's just, they've, uh, they miss Eric Fisher and, and Mitchell Schwartz, something fierce. Like that's the first thing, like they don't have that caliber of tackle on either side anymore. So that's, that's where Mahomes has lost a lot of that confidence and comfortable, comfortableness. <clears throat> and on top of it, he used to be able to make those razzle-dazzle plays off of it. Teams have gotten used to it now, and they're taking those away when, you know, when it's fire drill time. And, the, I mean, they just don't have quality receivers. I mean, outside of Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, and Gordon, they just don't have quality receivers that can consistently get open and make plays. And some of the plays they're calling, you know, those take time to develop, and the tackle's already been beat at that point. So it, it's – from a play calling perspective, I think everybody knows what Mahomes and them like, what they like on down and distances, and they're routinely taking those away now. 
And, you know, it's, it's just like, like every time they go inside the, inside the five, you know, they're going to run that shovel pass. Like they're, they're going to run some variation of it, you know, and it's just, that's everything's caught up to them at this point to where teams are familiar with what they're going to do. And they're taking that away on a regular basis and they don't want to stick with the run. So then Mahomes feels like he's got a press and the offense feels like it's got a press. And then the defense is, <clears throat> is routinely struggling because they don't have a roster that can execute the scheme that they have because literally Steve Spagnuolo's scheme is based around the pass rush and getting pressure. It's what it's always been based around. And when you don't have guys who can do that, guess what? You're going to get, you're going to get carved up, carved up every single time. Just like somebody in high year pro, price chopper working in the, in the butcher section, they're going to carve you up. So that's, that's just what's happening for them. And I mean, it's unfortunate, but at some point, the bigger question they are going to have to ask collectively what do we change for our identity on offense? Is there something we need to do differently on defense from a, with what we have personnel wise? Can we do those things? What can we do that can even give us little ounces of improvement? For example, Chris Jones, guess what? That sack that Willie Gay had, Chris Jones was literally the five tech and he shot inside the A gap in between the guard and center and pressured Tannehill to throw the interception. But that's because Chris Jones is one of the top two defensive tackles in the league, but they keep playing him at defensive end. Like things like that are why you're losing. Well, look, I did see him more at, at three and five tech today than I remembered in some other games. It's a little little fuzzy because he was out the last couple of games, but I know he got some pressure on one play um, when he was, you know, they just had a three man front and he was shaded to the to the right guards, to the left of the defensive formation with Mike Dane outside of him. Um, they did that some today, but. Um, you know, sticking with the offense for now, I, I, I mean, the inability to, to establish the run today, um, which I'm not even sure they did after, after they got down seven, nothing, uh, you know, I mean, they, they didn't really try to get the run involved. And then, like you said, Orlando Brown's a problem. Um, you know, he struggled. Trey Smith had, did not have one of his better games. He gave up some interior pressure and, and got overpowered, which is not something I expected to see very often from him. This Fair to say this was the worst offensive line performance we've we've probably seen through seven weeks. Yeah, it was it was one of their top two, that's for sure. Especially this year. I mean, look, the interior is still good. Like it, but I mean, the sum of all the parts together, man, it's just it's not <clears throat> this this way isn't gonna work long term. Like Mike Rumors at right tackle, Niang at the right tackle, it doesn't matter. Like there's gonna be problems on that side. And Orlando Brown, uh, if I'm an opposing defense. I'm going to take my speed rusher and put him against Orlando Brown every time. Tell him, hey, this is what he's going to do. He's going to have slow feet, so you take him wide and you show wide as a nine tech. He's going to try to extend his arms out. He's going to lunge forward and be off balance, and then you can either dip under him and take him wide and get to Mahomes, or you can set him up and then cut across his inside shoulder and have a direct line to the quarterback. Like you can do either because athletically he can't recover. He can only go wide up field and then he, and then that's it. That's all he can do. And like, <clears throat> those are things we talked about on the podcast and I showed on coaches film. Like he just didn't athletically really, in my opinion, ever really fit what Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz had been here. And it continues to show. And Bud Dupree among all people did that routinely against him in Pittsburgh. So he knew how to do it and he's used to used to it and familiar with it. So, I mean, for the biggest thing for the chiefs in all honesty, if we want to do a checklist on all this, 
they've got issues at tackle and you're not getting them fixed this year. I can already, I'm spoiler alert. That's not happening. You're just going to have to ride through it. Um, they're going to have to rebuild that wide receiver group with Tyreek and Josh Gordon. And then, you know, and then at some point they got to figure out what they want to do at running back. If they want more speed, because the, the, there's two different styles when you're running the football. You have runners that are capable of doing it out of shotgun, which Mahomes likes to be in, that can run those zone read option styles and are really good at that and have that quick burst to do that. Or you have running backs that need the quarterback to be under center and to be seven yards back. Like, you know, because Derrick Henry, he's not a good read option runner, but he is awesome when he gets a seven to nine yard head start uh, from under center. It's just a different style of running. So if you can't identify those guys that are capable of doing that, they look poor in your offense doing it. Give me an idea of, of a running back that, I mean, because we talked about like last year, like Le'Veon Bell in his prime, um, you know, Jamal Charles in his prime, somebody who fits that. Is that the kind of mold you're looking for to add to this offense? Because look, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire wasn't there today. I don't think he makes a difference. Oh, I, I can tell you right, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have made a difference in any way, shape, or form. Playing right. But I mean, I think it's only his second season, but he's, he's been injury prone, right? This is the second year he's, he's missed some time with an injury and he's been underwhelming. I think it's safe to say Clyde speaking of Edward Solaire, um, when he has been healthy, um, you know, Daryl Williams, Jarek McKinnon, they bring certain, certain traits to, to the, the game, but, um, you know, probably, you know, aren't, aren't your workhorse type guy. So, so give me an example of a guy that you think would be an ideal fit in this kind of offense. Just if, if people are looking at, 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 you know, who they might want to bring in from the college game if they have to draft a guy or, or pick him up from the undrafted pile. Well, the guy that had the, if they picked up in the draft, J.K. Dobbins, he would have done pretty well in this offense. Um, he, he would have had the speed that they needed. And like you said, Jamal Charles, Jamal Charles would have kept the – oh, my gosh. Jamal Charles, the down and distance he would have kept for Mahomes to not feel like he has to press all the time. Like, just Jamal would have done wonders in this offense. A guy named Kareem Hunt did really well in this offense because Kareem was one of the unique guys that could run from under center or also in shotgun. And he was completely fine, or you could throw it to him in a check down pass, and he was big and physical enough that he could run over a couple people and turn it into a first. So, I mean, those are the those are all styles of running backs. It's just a matter of who do you want to be the person to do that? Because, like, people keep telling me, Jarek McKinnon, got to use him, got to use him. Well, they keep trying to figure out ways to integrate him, but guess what? Like, he's he just doesn't look that good out of shotgun between the tackles. Like, that's not his that's not his style. So, I feel like there's some conflict between what the offensive line can do run blocking wise versus what the running backs are capable of of running from a formation perspective. I feel like there's there's just issue there, and I feel like this offense is so uptight right now that you know part of it is they have their favorite plays. Just like you or I have a playlist, our favorite songs that help soothe us and get us yeah. through our drive home from work. And it's got ripped up by the entire league. They're like, no, you can't have your playlist to 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 calm down to anymore and to keep you in rhythm. It's just been it's been ripped up. So because of that, I just the Chiefs offense is anxious. The only time I, I the only play I really felt like, okay, they're they're at ease right now was when Mahomes threw that one to Byron Pringle where he climbed up on that fourth down. And, you know, there was nothing to lose at that point. And then Pringle just went out there and made a play. And I, I think I just I think that offense is so uptight right now and has so much pressure on it to live up to from these past couple of years. And Mahomes has so much that he feels like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. 
that I just, I don't think it, it just doesn't look like it's fun for him out there right now. It doesn't look like it's fun, you know, to play the game of football, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and, and Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes addressed this after the game, but like Reed made it clear that, um, you know, he, he took responsibility for the, for the beating, um, you know, and said that he, he admitted he's not doing a great job as a play caller. He's not, he's not putting the offense in position to succeed. Mahomes, you know, talked once again about him pressing. He was especially talking about the the fumble at the end of the first half when he was scrambling and trying to pick up extra yards, looking for the first down. And Kevin Byard made a, a nice play coming from behind to knock the ball free. And, you know, Mahomes said, like, look, the, those two yards just weren't worth it there. They end up giving up a field goal as a result of it. Part of the problem, though, is, you know, Mahomes has talked about this multiple games now, and we've yet to see him kind of settle in and, and figure out um, how to combat that. And, and like you said, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the tackles playing poorly. And, and I know that people want us to start bashing Brett Reed here or Brett Veach here about, about the, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the roster construction, things like that. Um, look, I'm, I mean, he, he bears some responsibility. Yeah. Cause they didn't have a plan for, uh, when, when Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, um, you know, ha- had to be let go. I also think that that happened a little quicker than they expected, um, you know, and then Lucas Niang sitting out last year, you know, they didn't know kind of what they had. I mean, I, I, it hasn't worked out and that's a problem, but I mean, at some point it, it has to translate from them saying, Hey, we know what the problem is. Hey, we know what the problem is to seeing them like do something about it and fix it on the field. Right. My bigger concern right now is that the turnovers keep happening because they're either pressing or they're being sloppy with ball protection or the amount of penalties that they have on, on, in all three phases right now. Oh, it's that, just, yeah, it's gross. It's carelessness on multiple levels. Somebody's always going to make a mistake and screw up at this point is what it feels like. I don't even get excited for first downs anymore. Cause I'm just waiting to see when they say, Hey, there's a flag on the play. Yeah. You gotta wait. I just wait. I, br- I brace now for, with the way this football season has gone. I just brace for there to be something that gets brought back. Like I, the, the inter, uh, the interception for Willie Gay. I saw the Jerry Sneed smack his, you know, smack his hands into Tannehill's helmet. I'm like, that they're gonna call that, and yeah. I'm like, oh, they didn't call that. Okay, well, you know, it's just it's just all those things combined to where. <clears throat> the bigger problem I have is when Eric Bieniemy took over as an offensive coordinator. He helped give them a little bit more focus and discipline. And I felt like the team responded to that and they paid attention to those details because they had issues before BNME took over as OC where they would have issues with minor details and things of that nature. And it seems like they're back to where they were beforehand. They just have lesser talent. So it shines even more. And so that, that starts debating the question is the message becoming stale from who you're hearing it from? Are you starting to tune out some of the people that keep telling you the same things over and over again, model wise or phrase wise to where you're like, yeah, yeah. And no, I've heard that 18 different times from him before. <clears throat> so I just, the bigger question is going to be in these final 10 games, who on the roster buys in to what they're selling. One, one guy that I thought was a bright spot for the offense today was Byron Pringle. You mentioned the fourth and eight catch he made in double coverage, I mean, they, they had him bracketed down the field and he took a big lick leaping up to get that ball. Um, really nice play. 
He also seemed a little bit in sync with Patrick Mahomes on a scramble drill on the first drive of the third quarter, you know, stopping his route, coming back across the field, giving Patrick a target, uh, made another nice leaping catch for a 23 yard gain. I mean, he had the second most receptions and second most yards of his career. Um, in and he was league. the leader in receiving yards for him. Right. He, yeah. He led the chiefs in receiving yards this game. Ironically, his two best games, the chiefs have lost both of them. Um, his, his only hundred yard game of his career was that 1913 loss to the Colts when Patrick Mahomes was playing with a, a, a gimpy ankle early in the 2019 season. And, and then today they lost both those games, but is he a guy, do you have any hope that like, I mean, we still haven't seen anything from Josh Gordon. Patrick Mahomes tried to force a ball into him when Gordon was never open and it got picked off on a, you know, on the tip drill, um, fantastic play by, you know, by the Titans, but, but haven't seen anything from Gordon yet um, to suggest that he's going to be a, a factor in this offense. But Byron Pringles had a couple games where you think, well, maybe, I mean, he's got eight catches, you know, for a uh, hundred, almost 130 yards the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I mean, do, do, is there, did you see anything you liked from, from Byron Pringle today? Here, I'm, I'm going to be blown about Byron Pringle. And here's the thing. He's, he's a fifth receiver that could maybe be a fourth. Like that's going to be his career. That's that's what it's going to be. But I bet on the Chiefs this year. I mean, he, he is what he is. Yeah, no, I'm not saying like. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna get those those number two or number three numbers, but he should be getting those number four, <laughs> number five numbers. Like that's <clears throat> that's where his ability is at. So I mean, that's just the reality of it. So I mean, <clears throat> it reminds me a little bit of Demarcus Robinson two three years ago when he had a couple big games, one against the Raiders and and another. I don't like a thing against the Broncos or something at home. And people thought maybe it was a coming out party. I didn't ever have those kind of like high expectations for Byron Pringle. So I, you know, when he has big games, it gets me a little excited. Maybe it's also because he's a K state guy. Now here's the other thing I'm gonna say about the Josh Gordon part. Like <clears throat> here's where the bigger problem is with trying to integrate Josh Gordon in the offense right now, him and Mahomes really don't have time to build stuff together. Cause Mahomes is having to fix what they messed up the week before coaches are having to try to fix what, what, you know, what, what they, what issues they had here, what holding penalty they had there, what illegal formation, what false start, just all those attention to detail or focus issues that they have right now. So when all, so like you don't have the carefree ability like you do during training camp to build that rhythm with a quarterback, to build that chemistry and to be able to kind of do that in a, in a non-pressure situation. Because right now, you know, once you get in a season, it's just a pressure cooker. And like week to week, you're trying to get, you're trying to learn the next opponent, how to attack it. And you just don't have the same level of freedom and time to be able to kind of build that repertoire together. So I just, I'm not saying Josh Gordon can't be a part of the offense down the road here, but I I think I always felt it was going to take a minimum a month, if not two months before adding him to the offense is going to pay off. But I mean, I don't know, but I mean, the bigger question I have is hypothetically, if he's not able to help this offense this year, then the third, that's the third player they brought in during the season that, you know, whether it's a LaShawn McCoy who disappeared or a Le'Veon Bell who really struggled in the scheme or, you know, or Gordon, if he struggled in the scheme, like that just, that starts to become a bigger problem. Like how, what approach are you taking? That's a struggle for these guys to integrate into the offense and make an impact. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is, 
an interesting point you bring up because and I think that's that what I do, back, Todd. <laughs> I think, but I think that comes back to, to coaching. I mean, I think that that comes back to the, the, the wider point you were making. Um, you know, I mean, there seems to be a disconnect if you can't get guys up to speed and make them useful when you do bring them in, because, uh, you know, and look, I mean, it's not like McCoy and, and Le'Veon Bell have gone on to do great things with somebody else after the fact. And, and maybe Josh Gordon is, is not, um, in a position where he can still contribute, you know, but um, there's not a whole lot in, in that suggests that the coaching staff has been developing. I mean, McCole Hardman has not developed into a guy. Yeah, you knew when he came into the league, he would, he was raw when it came to route running. You knew that he was raw in some other aspects. He hasn't developed. I mean, you know, Byron Pringles had a couple of good games, but I mean, who would you say is the best player that they've developed from scratch from a skill position point um, since Tyreek Hill? <laughs> I mean, that's uh, a problem. If, if there's utter silence, um, you know, I Patrick, mean, that's a problem. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> okay, so Andy Reid, the quarterback whisperer, got a guy with supreme talent and, and turned him into an MVP and got a Super Bowl out of it. But they have not done a good job developing the guys around him. I mean, Kelsey and Hill were already here yeah. in Kansas city. Todd, you know? I'm not, I'm not going to dispute you on that. You just asked me to come up with a name and that's right, the only right. one I can come up with for you. I'm saying, but your silence <laughs> speaks volumes. You know what I mean? And, and look, I think, I think there's always naturally going to be like, you know, the league kind of adjusts and figures things out. It's not a surprise. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's, that's why you know, Brady's, I mean, that's why Brady's had the career he has because they, they evolve. They right. become more of a run team, more of a play action team, where they become a shotgun team. That's why Brady was able to stay on top like he did because he evolved. So he always stayed ahead of the curve. Well, and look, I mean, when you look at like Tom Brady's first six years as, as a starter, and it's a little bit different, you know, different era of NFL football, right? But he had at least 12 interceptions, 12 to 14 interceptions every single year during that stretch. Uh, you know, they had seasons where they went, you know, nine and seven or 10 and six during that stretch. Um, you know, so it, it, everybody goes through this. Yes. But it, it sure seems like as far as this year, um, and granted the chiefs have played a, a pretty tough schedule. A lot of teams would be three, we be around 500, we three and four or worse if they had played the schedule, the chiefs have had, but there's not a lot there, especially coming out of this game that suggests there's reason for optimism anymore. And, and I think you and I had both had reason for optimism in other games, whether it was, Hey, if you just create some turnovers, get a pass rush, maybe, but at seven weeks, I think you have to say the chiefs are what they are, right? They're a turnover prone team with no pass rush who struggles to, you know, tackle, defend the run, or um, stop the deep ball when Mike Hughes is out there or Daniel Sorensen's out there. And that's just who they are. I mean, so should teams just settle in for a bump or should fans just settle in for a bumpy ride here? I mean, you know, I think you and I both expect this to be like a 14 and three team. Spoiler alert, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's not possible. Um, and, and yes, they will still play two games in January guaranteed. But, I mean, is this is this an eight or nine loss team? I mean, how seriously did we misjudge what this team can and should be? Um, I'm going to look at the schedule right now because people want instant predictions look, look, for the future. Look, 
if they lose to the Giants on Monday night football at home, pack it up mm-hmm. three and five coming off a loss to the Giants. Like this team is not making the playoffs. I'll, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. be, I mean, that, that will be my message um, after that, that Monday nighter in on this podcast, if they, yeah. So I think, I think they're going to lose to the Packers and Cowboys Raiders. I'm, I'm not sure. There may be a split at this point. Right. So I mean, I, you're I already think, seven uh, losses. And I think they're going to struggle with the chargers on Thursday night football. And then short, I think short gonna, week long travel. And I think they're going to struggle with the Bengals. I mean, so that's nine losses. Potentially. Yes. That's nine. Potentially. Yes. But at least, at least they'll have an extra week of this this year, right? <laughs> they go eight and nine. At least, at least you got that 17th week, baby. <laughs> we'll see what, we'll see what happens, man. But I mean, it's, you know, I'm, it's, I mean, the offense just, they don't have the, they don't have the answers this year. Like they did in 2018, they can't keep pace anymore. And like, it's just, they've lost a lot of their spark. And I hate to say it, but where a lot of that spark came from, they kept them on pace was Kareem Hunt and they still haven't replaced it. Like, I mean, that's the reality. They don't have that third guy that kind of keeps them in manageable situations. Daryl Williams was able to last week, a handful of times against Washington, but they played a superior opponent today. They played the division leader, of the AFC South. Well, and, and you know, the 2018 and 2019 teams were also still feeling out Patrick Mahomes. Like that, right? You, you want you want to blitz the young kid. You, can he really handle this? I mean, can we confuse him with? And now teams are like, eh, we're just going to sit back and make him be patient because that's that's now become his kryptonite. Like, can he can he do it? And it, look, it's not all about Patrick Mahomes, right? Like. We know there's been some drops by Tyreek Hill. We know there's been some fumbles by some other guys, including McCole Hardman putting one on the ground near the goal line. And, and you know, and, and it, look, I mean, it was trash time. It's not that big a deal, you know, but but it speaks to the the detail, the preparation, uh, the focus these guys have. I mean, Tyreek Hill lines up in the slot. You're thinking good things are going to happen. He false starts coming off a holding penalty that already erased a first down. The Chiefs just start marching backwards on that drive after the Willie Gay interception and then have to burn a timeout because they couldn't decide whether to punt or go for a 57-yard field goal in that moment. I mean, to me, that drive encapsulated, like, the Chiefs this season. Like, it was like a comedy of errors, you know. I mean, nothing, you know, the, you know, the guys that you normally count on are have been unreliable at times this year. You know, you have the penalties. Like, like I said, it's not all about Patrick Mahomes. But but certainly um, he's had his moments where he hasn't been patient, whether it was forcing the ball to Josh Gordon or the moments where he's been pressing, whether it was trying to scramble, you know, and not not securing the ball late in the second quarter there when they were trying to run that two minute drill. So he bears some responsibility for it. The defense. Look, we haven't talked a lot about the defense because I don't think there was anything that surprising about the defense today, other than the fact that they didn't give up any more points in the second half. We had talked in, in the pregame, though, or the pre preview of, of this Titans game that that I thought this could be a really big game for Nick Bolton playing middle linebacker if that's what they chose to do with Hitchens out. And they put him there. Um, 15 tackles, nine solo, four tackles for a loss. Derrick Henry gets 29 carries for 86 yards. Can you take anything from that as a bright spot? I mean, I'll look at the coach's film and kind of determine in terms of coverage, what he was able to do at middle, but right. 
this this was his style of game going against somebody like Derrick Henry who can be physical against like I mean that's his style that's his game like he's a middle linebacker he's a thumper like that's that's who that dude is so he was more in he was more in sync with who who he is as a player and his skill set at Mike linebacker yeah. and run support than than you know as the weak side linebacker and you and I talked about that and that's that's where he belongs ad nauseum ad nauseum where he belongs just like Chris Jones belongs at three tech those are literally when Juan Thornhill should be the deep safety those are literally the three moves they can make as a defense and be like okay these are the three things we can at least fix yeah like we can do that and you know we need to do that so and and not putting Mike Hughes on the field ever again that's another one that they can do (laughs) Um, just make him an exclusive kick punt returner. That, that could be his job. That's that's <laughs> where that's the value he brings to the team. But, so. Or or touchback touchback watcher. <laughs> like I said, that's the value he brings to the team right now. <laughs> kick and punt returner. That's that's his wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but now he's he like I mean he was he was getting roasted in training camp and it, he's getting roasted still because he didn't get his he's not able to get his head around and looked and there's a reason the Vikings are willing to move on from him. Just like there's a reason the Ravens are willing to move on from Orlando Brown. Just like there's a reason the Seahawks are willing to move on from Jaron Reed. Yeah. Jaron Reed's done. That's the reality. And like they keep trying to force Chris Jones as a defensive end when Jaron Reed like needs to be replaced by Chris Jones, point blank. Yeah. I think their best defense is clearly going to be Jones and Naughty, like it had been the last couple of years, yeah. if you want to pair those, those tackles up. Um, all right, man. Um, anything else you want to add? I know it's probably been, you know, it was exhausting and infuriating game for, for fans to watch. Um, you know, I don't think that the Giants are going to hold them to three points, but hey, the Giants did hold the Carolina Panthers to three points. Um, so I don't think this is a gimme. Like coming into the game, I thought, like, or coming into the season, like the Giants almost felt like a bye. <laughs> you know, you look at it almost like a bye week, an oasis in the sea of, 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 you know, tough games, you know, against the Packers and the Titans and the bills and everybody else. Now it feels like I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like I have no idea what defense is going to show up. I have no idea what offense is going to show up. And like, I'm, I'm going to be like a little bit nervous that like, this is not like the layup that I once thought it was for the chiefs, man. And that's not a, that's a, um, that's, you know, the fan in me is, is sad by that. Welcome to the 2021 Chiefs, man. That's <laughs> you, you never know what to expect. It's going to be a roller coaster ride all year. And this problems that they have every single week, people are going to ask me on Twitter, man, how do they fix that? How do they fix it? They don't. They would right. have already done it if they could. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, 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 it's week it's, seven. I don't think like, they're like, hold it. They're like, yeah, no, just, just hold this one for the Packers game. <laughs> like it just is what it is. And I mean, look, uh, oh, I know also this. I know people get in my mentions and like they, people want to, people like anytime the Chiefs lose, I mean, people are out for blood, dude. Like, I mean, they want everybody to answer right now. And as a media member who isn't attending the press conference, I'm supposed to ask right. um, Andy Reid why his team is so terrible. Like, when you're, when you're, I explained this on there, but I'm going to go more in depth here on the podcast. If you're still listening at this point, <clears throat> if you're a journalist, there's a certain professionalism you need to have when you're in a press conference. And there's a certain level of respect you need to have for that. And there's ways that you can ask them. I'm not going to tell you the ways to ask them, but there's ways to ask questions to get good answers and to keep, 
you know, keep the person's guard down and not make them feel like they're throwing somebody under the bus. Because the thing that, and, I, and I'm going to bring Therese into this, because him and I used to talk about this all the time. You and I have talked about it. Like, there's a certain way good journalists ask questions to be able to learn the why. Right. They don't necessarily have to learn, hey, why did Daniel Sorensen give up three things? That's a defensive question. Be like, hey, from a free safety perspective, what does a guy need to be successful from keeping from giving up explosive plays? That way the coach isn't really throwing Daniel Sorensen under the bus. And you get to understand the skill set that's needed or what they're looking for in that safety that they want to be able to get that. That's the biggest thing in journalism. So if you want to go in there and act like you're on talk show radio and out for blood and say, Hey, why is your, why is such and such trash like that? You're never getting that answer. And you're probably not getting called on again because that's unprofessional. Right. Like, yeah, no, you, you're not going to get anywhere by just walking in and saying, well, you guys suck. Um, you know, I mean, and look, if Andy Reed came into a press conference and say, guys, like I didn't even look at film this week. I didn't care about trying to, to figure out how to attack this Titans defense. It wasn't uh, you know, it just, I was busy, man. I got Christmas shopping to do. Everybody says it's going to be hard to get toys for the grandkids, you know, because of all these supply chain issues, man, I spent all week on Amazon. I didn't watch Tennessee Titans film at all. Okay, fine. Then you can scream bloody murder at Andy Reid about, do you deserve to have a job in the NFL anymore, old man? But the reality is, like, they're trying to figure this out. They're working to fix it. And, like, and like saying, hey, this guy sucks. Why don't you get rid of him is not going to be met. I mean, how would you feel if people criticized your parenting style that way, um, you know, or your job performance um, you know, at your weekly press conference at the office. I mean, you're right. Getting guys defensive is not going to work. And I think people are trying to hold them accountable. I mean, they did ask, they, they did, did ask Steve Spagnuolo about Daniel Sorensen and, and, you know, what happened on the play where Dawson Knox, you know, got beat deep and, and look, I mean, he was forthcoming, you know, in talking about the, yeah, I mean, he's been a slump. He's not playing well. You know, we all know that, but but yeah, I mean, you're not going to just like take a guy who, who has gone to battle for you and that you're asking to continue to go to battle for you and just, uh, you know, like, you know, like find the nearest, you know, Metro bus and, and chuck them under it, man. It doesn't work that way. Um, and, and I know you and I are never going to be the type to, to come out and like start screaming, um, at Andy Reed or some of the coaches to, you know, demanding change. Well, and like the bigger thing is like Andy, you knows more about football than I ever will. Right. I would love, but I love to ask Steve questions. Steve Spagnuolo and, knows more about right. defense and his scheme than I do. Like, and I and I love asking him questions and learning football. That's half of my enjoyment of going to press conferences. Yeah. Is that I just love to learn. Like that's that's plain and simple. Like that's what I enjoy. So like, I, I cherish those when I get those opportunities to go to him and be able to ask that type of stuff. But I mean, it just like. I don't know. There's a certain line and I know fans, fans want it to fans want you to ask questions. Like it's a comment section board and you know, you, there's no repercussion for anything you're going to say to them. But man, if I was in a player's shoes and I got asked a offensive or a unprofessional question, like, you know, like I, I, it would, it would irritate me a great deal too. And I probably wouldn't give that reporter a good uh, answer next time. Cause at the end of the day, this is an industry where like, 
you know, if you're a local beat person, like you, you're going to have to talk to them again. You can't just come in there and be like, Hey, I'm going to napalm uh, this entire locker room. And then I don't have to be back here for another uh, seven weeks. Cause I got seven other teams I'm going to. So it just, I don't know. It's well, just something all... that kind of, it was in my mentions today and I started getting annoyed with that on top of the Orlando Brown thing that people kept telling me, I didn't know what I was talking about and that Orlando Brown did everything right. And I'm like, yeah, I, I was like, okay. But I'm telling you, this is literally why Patrick feels this way. You guys are asking me, why does Patrick do this? And I'm telling you, this is why he does it, because this is what the guy is doing that's causing the problem. Like, it just, I, I don't know, man. It just, it is what it is. I, yeah. As soon as he sees a guy go wide and he sees Orlando Brown's feet stop moving, he knows pressure's coming. Oh, dude, like he literally, dude, on, that, like- on that first sack, he literally looked over his left shoulder. Like yeah. before to decide if he needed to move up in the pocket or take yeah. off. He knows it's coming. Like when that. a quarter, <laughs> when a quarterback is doing that, guess what? They're not looking downfield, and that means they don't trust their blindside protection. That's one of the bigger problems in the grand scheme of this whole thing. Is Patrick Mahomes got beaten like a human pinata last year? He hasn't forgotten it, and guess what? He's still t- dealing with it again this year. And he's human. And by the way, Trent Brown's hurt, so. Um, or Trent, Trent Williams is hurt, so um, Trent Brown may be hurt too. But uh, <laughs> like emotionally, or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trent, Trent Williams is hurt, so you know, don't think that throwing a, a bigger pile of money at that problem would have, you know, would have resulted in, in in a change there. I mean, um, and I'm not bashing the move that they made for Orlando Brown. Like, if people are going to think that's what that means, they're going to jump to that conclusion. Orlando Brown was like. <laughs> one of the three real op- four options they had available to him this year. Right, right. He, you either sign of- Trent Williams to like a record deal, you trade for Orlando Brown, or you bring in Villanueva. I was okay with bringing in Villanueva because I thought they could get him for like eight or ten, eight or nine million, kick the can down the road for a year, try to draft a tackle you could develop. And like, I, I was completely fine with that. That's the option I would have chosen if I was a general manager. But luckily I'm not. I mean, not for my bank account, but, you know, just in general. Luckily, I don't have that pressure of people telling me I'm terrible at life all the time. They do on Twitter, but it's not it's not as hurtful because um, it's not my profession. But, I I mean, they, they took one of the options available to them. Now, where I'm going to get really nervous is if they give him a $20 million a year deal. Right. Right. No, and Long we, term, we talk, that's... We talked about that. I mean, look, depending on how things shake out, they may end up having to bite the bullet and franchise tag him next year if they don't think they can bring a better option in. Right. And and yeah, it you know it would not be ideal, you know, if they have you know gave up some draft capital, um, you know, and then they have to move on after a year or two. But but I'd um, rather they do that than making even bigger get a Frank mistake. Clark contract albatross around their neck again. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was gonna put it a nicer way, but yeah, no. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I know you just did it. Um. But no, like, I mean, that, that would be a worse mistake if, if like, you don't feel like that can blend together long-term. Right. And, and to be clear, like, I mean, they gave Frank Clark the contract side on, you know, b- before he, he had played with the chiefs. Um, I would argue that outside of him being hurt, you know, in 2018, they got what they wanted out of those first two years of the contract. Now the off the field stuff and his declining health has caught up with them the last two years. Um, but I, I don't think anybody was complaining about Frank Clark's contract after Super Bowl 54, man. No, and, and it's just, it's crazy to see, like, I mean, 
this is part of the Chiefs are having to deal with the success that they built and the reputation they built. People expect the offense to perform a certain way every single game, and the fact they're not seeing it anymore frustrates them a great deal. And then on top of it, people are upset that the Chiefs have spent the money they have on defense and they're not getting the return on investment. And then here, here's the bigger thing that people aren't even talking about yet. Like, what's this gonna like? What's this gonna do for Eric Bieniemy as a head coaching candidate right now? Like, I mean, what right. what happens in the next ten games? Do you show as an offensive coordinator that you can kind of help them get out of this? Because this isn't gonna help his candidacy if if they start having more and more issues. And then the bigger thing he's got to decide long term is does he have to get out of the shadow of Andy Reid and Mahomes to move on and try to establish himself? in another offensive scheme somewhere else after this year to show that he's a certain, his style and his brand of offense without their names attached to it. Well, I mean, there, there are three things that could happen after this season and two of them ain't good, right? Like, <laughs> well, and here's, here's two people. I think Andy Reid genuinely misses helping with this offense. People don't tell me I'm crazy if I want, but I don't think I am. I think they genuinely miss Matt Nagy and Brad Childers. Yeah, because I think those guys brought a lot more creativity to this offense than people realize, and I just haven't seen the same creativity since both of them left. Now I know Matt Nagy may not be doing well with the Bears, but I'm telling you, whenever he got to focus on offense and coming up with some creative plays and that type of stuff, things looked a lot better. Like I mean, you know, there's, just, there's a reason he got the job with the Bears in the first place, right? And and unfortunately, his struggles may be a part of the reason why Eric Bieniemy hasn't, um, because you know. Uh, people are concerned, you know, Doug Peterson got the Eagles to Super Bowl, but then, you know, that didn't work out. So, you know, Andy's offensive coordinators haven't always gone on to great success. His defensive coordinators have actually had more success um, in special teams, guys. When you look at the Harbaugh's, the McDermott's, the Rivera's of the world. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, while Nick and I won't be trying to burn any bridges at one Arrowhead Drive, um, you guys can always get up in his mentions. Um you know, as fans, <laughs> uh, no, Nick's shaking his head. He's angry at me. Oh, we better wrap this podcast up. <laughs> Why? Why do you? It's yeah. going to happen anyway. Like, it's not like people are listening yeah, to me to take their advice and be yeah, like, no, you true. know what? Yeah, I am going to yell at Nick Jacobs on Twitter now. <laughs> uh, my um, here's my Twitter handle. It's uh, I'm going to spell it out for you. It's at T O D P A L M E R. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, I'm, uh, you know. I'm away from my phone quite often, so tweet whatever you want at me. <laughs> All right, Todd. This is this is where we really need to stop. Otherwise, you're going to probably give people my address where they can find me. That's right. That's right. Um, but just DM me. My my, you know, just DM me for that. Um, and and other than that, take care, kids.